0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, uh, this has been another great week. We've uh, seen uh, us get to the 23,000 listen mark.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: And we're averaging about 1,200 plays a week, which is... That's pretty good. We're growing. Yeah, that's really good. And uh, this is just... This has been a good time for the Good Music Podcast. We are um, currently in the works of implementing some strategies to take this podcast up to the next level. My goal is to uh, exponentially grow by the end of the year Mm -hmm. and eventually make this to where this is our job.
1: That would be great. Uh, that's 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 my goal at least. So I mean, I still have school, but you know, I'd yeah. still like to make money off of this. Yeah, and then you can quit school and <laughs> I can quit school and keep doing the podcast. Oh yeah, man, oh isn't man. that the dream? Quitting school is I mean, is just good. Sometimes. Yeah, sitting and talking and making a living doing that. Oh and, yeah, I love. As that. we
0: listened last time, um, well, no, it's not last time because we record a little early. In one of our future episodes, uh, an artist we talk about successfully talked several people out of continuing school to join his band. Yes. Ended up being Mm -hmm. the right decision. It's not always the right decision for most of you. You should stay in school, but Mm -hmm. you know, some of us school's just not the way to go.
1: Yep. I think that's next episode for the listeners.
0: Yes, it is. So sometimes my brain gets turned around on what episode we're actually recording. We are
1: already plugging in for the next episode. Yes. Go listen. Be there or be a square hammer. (laughs) <laughs>
0: uh. <laughs>
1: okay, anyway.
0: Um, but the way that we're going to get to that point is uh, if you help support our channel, biggest way that you can do that is to uh, leave us a review, leave us a rating on whatever platform that you're listening on. We are working really hard to get onto Spotify. That's kind of the the ideal place for us to be. First off, it's a lot of people listen to podcasts on Spotify. Right. Plus, we have a playlist that is a companion to uh this channel and so right. um if you're listening on Spotify you don't even have to leave the app
1: you Look can at just that.
0: you can just go right to it mm-hmm. so that's kind of our big main mission right now is to figure out how do we get on Spotify which you would think is really easy because Anchor which is the platform that we record this on right. um they're owned by Spotify, by Spotify yeah. so I'm not quite sure what the what the hang-up is, but we're going to figure it out. It's,
1: it's probably some checkbox or something.
0: Yeah, there's something there's mm-hmm. some that we haven't seen yet that we probably have to do. But, Maybe. But I'll let you guys know at the beginning of a future episode whenever we're available on that platform. But some other platforms that you can check us out on is uh, obviously Apple Podcasts. That's where we get the majority of our listeners. Mm-hmm. We're also on Google Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on Breaker. You can listen to us on Anchor itself as well as a couple others that I am forgetting, but places that I'd also, had never heard of. So if you listen to, (laughs) on any platforms that are not the ones I mentioned, then bravo, you're listening on an obscure platform. Or at least, you know, I'm not a a professional podcast listener, so I'm not like privy on what are the best places to listen to. I just go off of what my (laughs) analytics say, and that's most people listen on Apple Podcasts. I mean,
1: this is the only podcast I listen to, so...
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: (laughs) I wouldn't know. Yeah.
0: Um, I listen to a couple, mainly for research
1: purposes. Yeah, I wouldn't know what to listen to. Uh, The problem is I don't have time to do anything but listen to music and this, so... Yeah. But, yep. And then another way that
0: you can uh, support this channel is there's a link in every episode description that will lead you to an anchor page that you can donate a monthly uh, subscription to help us with upgrading our equipment and getting research materials and just getting us that much closer to making this our full-time gig. So if Woo. you love this podcast and you want to see it get bigger and better and see it become one of the biggest music podcasts in the world, mm-hmm. then all you got to do is give up uh, one soda a month from quick trip or whatever region convenience store that you guys have and uh, send it our way.
1: Or and you could just, you know, give us all your life savings. That would also be acceptable. I'm, I'm not, gonna, well,
0: I'm going to say no to that. <laughs> that just does not feel right to me.
1: It would, it would really skyrocket this podcast, though.
0: It would, but I would not want any of our listeners to, uh, <laughs> to spend themselves out of their lifestyle. That's true. Just, just for our sake. Well, um, And then another another way that you can uh, get in on the action is go check out our Facebook page and uh, check out the discussions we have there. And we're going to be having an Instagram page coming very, very soon, probably by the time that we uh, – a couple episodes down the line, we'll announce Mm -hmm. that. And, um, yeah, and then obviously share with whoever you think would be interested in learning more about music. We like to view this podcast as like – Music History 101, even though we don't go in chronological order. Right. Although, that is uh, a spinoff series that I am looking to potentially do in the future. Ooh. So, um, just a little spoiler. Um, if we can if we can get enough money rolling in, we can mm-hmm. uh, think about doing Spell-off that little spinoff. Yeah. yeah. One that I think would be really, really fun, at least for me to do and talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about something really big that happened, uh, last week and something that just as a metalhead was just a really cool thing, a little, um, anniversary milestone. Um, um so we, it, it, last week, I want to say it was on, let me, let me go back in my brain here to what day of the week it was. I don't even know what this is. Uh, I want to say this was on Wednesday. Yes, it was Wednesday. No, it was on Thursday. Last Thursday uh, was the 50th anniversary of Black Sabbath's debut record. No
1: way. Which is
0: not only the 50th anniversary for that album, but it is the 50th anniversary for heavy metal in general. Woo! (coughs) So, as.
1: Man, I picked a good birthday.
0: Oh, so that was also on your birthday. <laughs> that
1: was also on my yeah, birthday. Yeah, that's right. Your birthday was Thursday. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um yeah, your birthday was on the fiftieth anniversary of metal. Of metal. That's crazy. And it'll be on the fifty one. The fifty first anniversary the 51th next year. Anniversary. The fifty one. Yes. We're smart people. <laughs> I went all the way through school, can't you tell? Yep. <laughs> um So just as a as a metal head and a metal lover, just now knowing that the beloved genre is 50 years old, right? that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And I was just reading a lot of articles just kind of talking about that record and about you know people debating, was Black Sabbath the first metal band? Was that the first metal album? And I kind of wanted to just have a brief little uh, discussion about it. I, I wanted fe- to get your opinion. I think
1: you have in the past said that was the first – that Black Sabbath was the first metal song. Yes, but Black Sabbath was not the first metal album.
0: Yeah, um, because, I'm gonna. Yeah. Now again, I'm saying that we're gonna say this was the definitive 50th anniversary of metal because the large consensus right agrees that Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, is the launching point. Yeah, and I do agree that their song. So get this. There's a song called Black Sabbath on the album Black Sabbath by the band Black Sabbath. Yep. So it's if you look on it on iTunes. It's just the same on all three. Yeah. Rows. Uh, I do believe that that was the first pure metal song. There were songs in the '60s before that were precursors, like uh, Led Zeppelin's "Dazed and Confused." Mm-hmm. Go check out our Led Zeppelin episode to hear us talk in depth about that song. Mm-hmm. Um, the Beatles' Helter Skelter. Right. You had some some darker bands like Coven that uh, were really drawing from darker and occult inspirations, but yeah. there was nothing like Black Sabbath when it came right. out in 1970. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day, it's still one of the most um, one of the most horrifyingly sounding. Songs in the heavy metal canon, as far as just yeah. the dread and the fear and the darkness, like even Black Sabbath really never made anything darker than that.
1: That um, is true. Yeah. The
0: use of its of the tritone, the Diablos in Musica,
1: yeah. and and the stuff um, at the beginning, a little bit of a the sound to add the ambience, like the bell chiming and mm-hmm. the rain and whatever.
0: Yeah. So um, now the rest of the album. I'm not quite so convinced is heavy metal.
1: They have the harmonica song. That's the second. Yeah, the wizard. Is, yeah. Um, I just noticed now that. Now, it is, <laughs> I'm not saying
0: that it's not a great record. It yeah. is, although I think that they would outdo themselves later. Uh, uh, yeah. The only other song that I really could point to as being another metal song on there is NIB, which is actually my personal favorite Sabbath riff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we'll talk more in depth about it when we... Um, do a full episode on them which we will inevitably do right um but in my opinion it was their follow-up album war or paranoid war yeah pigs was well the, we can call it
1: war pigs cause that's what it was first that was the eating.
0: original title and they switched to paranoid <laughs> right um paranoid in my opinion is the first true metal record i
1: mean because you had war pigs paranoid and paranoid
0: iron man Yeah. Hand of Doom, Electric Funeral, Fairies Wear Boots. Those were all, those were all metal songs. Yeah. So, um, with just a couple of outliers like Planet Caravan.
1: Oh, Planet Caravan is so good. Yeah, but it's not a metal song. That's true. Uh, Again. Wait, I thought that was on the original. Nope. Their debut. Nope, that's on Paranoid. It's
0: the third song. That
1: is interesting. Okay.
0: So, um, I think that, and that came out later in 70, I want to say it came out in like uh, August or September, hmm. maybe October. So I think that that was like the first full metal album. We still have
1: eight months to prepare for the 50th anniversary then.
0: Mm, but still, I <laughs> in <your> no, opinion. <laughs> no, but the thing is, I still believe that that is the, the 50th anniversary was last Thursday because we had the first metal song. Uh. Metal was birthed in that title song. It's just okay. that I wouldn't say that the whole album was the first metal album.
1: That that was the song that...
0: But Black Sabbath, the song, was the genesis point. Right. The point for the first time where all of the elements came together, at least in its primordial first state. Right. Because also, to say that Black Sabbath was the first true metal band, there's also kind of some debate Because while they provided all of the first essential ingredients, no one copied what Black Sabbath did until like the mid-80s, as far as their doom approach to things. Oh, yeah. Um, A lot of people say that the first true metal band was Judas Priest, because they were the the first ones that that started a movement, because for about five years, no one else did what (sighs) Sabbath did and Judas Priest was the band that all the other metal bands started copying. The image and the speed and the way that the riffs were written. And the, the lyrics, way that the singer sang. Yes. <laughs> um, you That's know, a good point. It's more of they set the template for what metal was going to be.
1: Yeah, but but you could still argue that like Black Sabbath did start the movement. Yeah. Because I'm, metal I'm has not, become less of music and more of a culture.
0: Yeah, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying that the argument exists out there that, you know, Judas Priest... Because also, Black Sabbath, for the longest time, did not associate themselves as a metal band. Hmm. Uh, Judas Priest was the first band to accept the title and to carry the flag. And so there's kind of that argument as well. Um, I... I do agree with the fact that I think that Judas Priest is like the point where metal became a genre. I think that they were the ones that that took it to where it needed to go because Mm -hmm. of the fact that Sabbath's first five six albums all came out, and you know there kind of wasn't anyone else, you know, doing what they were doing. Right. No one else was playing heavy like them, and so. Um, I think that Judas Priest was kind of the the springboard, but, you know, Judas Priest, I don't think would have done what they'd have done had Black Sabbath not come first. And when we look backwards, their stuff is undoubtedly metal. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at songs like Iron Man and Children of the Grave, mm, and yeah. Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Yes. What else can you classify that except for metal?
1: Exactly.
0: So my argument. Uh, it was just it was just really cool to because uh, I mean the fiftieth year that's just that's such a big yep time and it's weird that now everything in the seventies is going to start receiving that fiftieth anniversary title.
1: Oh my gosh! Because
0: yes. I remember you know for the last you know decade or so just seeing kind of like oh the these Beatles albums are turning fifty these Rolling Stones records are. Um, couple Pink Floyd records, and I was just kind of like, oh, that's really cool, you know, mm-hmm. this, the, the, that, that you know, second wave is, you know, turning 50, but now it's just like, okay, now, like, the bulk of classic rock is about to turn 50.
1: Yeah. I remember last year that um, the Justice album turned 30, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that was 1989, that wasn't 30 years ago, and then I did the math, and it's like, wow, we're, like, already 20 years into the new century, and it's like, I've only known... The twenty first century, mm-hmm. right? Because I was born in two thousand one. Yeah, but it's still weird to think about. So,
0: yeah, it's uh, what's going to be really weird is that very soon, stuff that uh, that came out when I was alive is going to start turning thirty, because mm. I was born in ninety two. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I I already kind of had a weird moment when things started turning twenty five. Yeah. And just going, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Bands that formed while I was alive are now eligible for to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. So I'm starting. I'm starting to get old, but I'm not one <laughs> of those people that's just like, oh God, no, old. Uh. I'm just <laughs> like it happens. Yeah. No one can escape it. Bring it on.
1: Yeah.
0: With age comes wisdom. Look at that. All right. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this episode. Yep. So. Who are we talking about this we week? We are talking
1: about Soundgarden. So,
0: if you remember back to uh, the episode where we were talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yes, and I was freaking out about Soundgarden's exclusion, mm-hmm. and you kind of were giving me no reaction.
1: Yes, because I didn't really like know any of Soundgarden's songs. You know? so
0: it was in that moment that I decided we're doing a Soundgarden episode. Yeah,
1: that would make sense.
0: It, was, I, I, it wasn't in the books until that moment, oh, and I was like, you need to learn.
1: You I mean, to... I'm, I'm glad you did. I'm not going to lie.
0: I had a feeling that you would really like them. I do. They well, are not like... Not to,
1: not to share too much before we care our final thoughts, but
0: yeah. They are not like the other grunge bands of the era. Uh,
1: yeah, they are not. They're a little bit heavier, mm-hmm. and they're they're a bit less weird vocals and depressing. You know.
0: Well, they're they're pretty depressing.
1: But like you look at the lyrics on some of these I songs. Mean, well, but like for example, Spoonman. That's that's not something that you'd hear from Nirvana. You know? No. Well, that, I that's don't, kind that's kind of jammy mm, and groovy and kind of well, just...
0: not instrumentally. No. Like the, these guys, I think were also the best pure musicians out of all the grunge bands. Like oh yeah, um, these guys were were like top level. Oh, for
1: sure. Yeah.
0: All the weird time signatures that they used mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, just kind of really being a lot more out there and, mm-hmm. and creative musically. Mm-hmm. Um, Soundgarden, I would still say that Nirvana is my favorite grunge band. Just because okay. just <laughs> there's just a connection I have with that music. Um, mm. I have a soft spot for just simple, well-made music, mm-hmm. as we're going to look into on next week's episode.
1: Oh, yeah. Um,
0: it's not, like, I love all of the crazy technical stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously that's where my love of metal and progressive music comes in. But I'm also a fan of just, like, really simple, like, effective music. Stuff, yeah. Stuff that, you know, doesn't uh, beat
1: around the bush. Yeah, I don't really see Nirvana as being that. But, I mean, that's okay. I
0: mean, I mean. They seem
1: too simple to me.
0: Well, I mean, again, that's that's kind of the that's the charm of it. It's just you're listening to it, and you know, it's just it's very it's very pure, while at the same time having that that edge and that grit to it. Like you listen to a lot of those songs on Nevermind; those are pop songs in the guise of grunge.
1: Okay, okay. I mean, I would say Ten is probably better than Nevermind.
0: Ooh. But... Yeah, I mean ten is
1: good. Pearl Jam, yes.
0: But never mind. Come on, there's just that is classic after classic after classic.
1: So many of the songs on ten, I would just put on repeat, and oh. I'm not disagreeing that ten is
0: great. Ten is an amazing
1: album.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Sadly, Pearl Jam has never beaten that record. Oh no, I don't
1: listen to anything that's not on ten. I've tried to, and it's just not the same.
0: Yeah, but never mind i do think was the uh, was the the grand mm-hmm. pinnacle of the grunge movement not just hmm. artistically but obviously um commercially and what it did for the genre and what it did for what it meant for music itself which if you're curious to learn more about that we have an episode on nirvana you guys should go check it out
1: that's true we do um
0: so I w- I won't get too deep into that discussion. <laughs> I'll let that episode speak for itself. Right.
1: Um, and then of course, listening to to um, Soundgarden got me into that whole grunge era over the past. Two weeks that I've been listening to these songs, uh-huh. and, and I've started getting into Alice in Chains. Yeah, Alice in Chains. I, I listened to Dirt they, all the way through.
0: Alice in Chains oh and Soundgarden gosh. are fairly close together as yeah. far as mm-hmm. kind of a little more on the heavier side and a little more on the um, the technical side. Yeah, although Soundgarden, I would say, is definitely a more technical band.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, I I love Soundgarden. I would say they're my second favorite grunge band. Okay. And uh let's talk about who is Soundgarden.
1: I don't know who Soundgarden is other than Chris Cornell being the lead vocalist and guitarist as well, right? He, uh
0: rhythm guitarist. Rhythm they, guitarist. Have so guitar they have two guitarists. So they have
1: two guitarists. Yeah. And he is no longer alive.
0: No, he um, uh tragically killed himself I wanna say it was three years ago now. I think it'll be
1: 20, was it twenty fifteen? No, twenty fifteen no. was when um Lane Alison Chain's guy.
0: Definitely. No, he no Lane Staley died in oh. two thousand or two thousand one. Uh, Scott Whelan, I think, died in twenty fifteen.
1: Oh, from Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was
0: either twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen.
1: The the bassist for Allison Chains, right?
0: Um, I hadn't heard that,
1: but or I'm something. not
0: I'm not saying that's wrong, but I that doesn't ring a bell to me. I'd have to look that up
1: yeah anyway that, but, that's a that's a side topic anyway <laughs> yeah
0: but yeah Chris Cornell, I want to say it was 2017 that he died mm-hmm. because also it was like two months later that Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park died mm-hmm. like they both hung themselves. it was really random out of the blue
1: yeah
0: um, but I was so sure that with him passing. And with Soundgarden being such an influential band and being part of the big grunge scene, yeah, um, that they would have been shoe ins to get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yeah. And I'm just, I'm just dumbstruck that they're not. And I, mm-hmm. I bet. I'm curious to hear your thoughts after listening to them now on yeah. whether or not they deserve to be in there.
1: Um, I wouldn't necessarily say influential. Because I don't, I don't hear any aspects of them in any other artists, but they're unique, and they're—I mean, it is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they are famous, you know. Because, because mm-hmm. I, I would talk about Soundgarden with people who you know listen to like today's rap and stuff. I'm like, oh, they're the people who wrote "Black Hole Sun" or "Fell on Black Days" or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the the fact, just the fact that people know them. You know, I think I think that's that counts for something because it is the rock and roll hall of fame. Yeah,
0: and I, will, I guess maybe saying that Soundgarden themselves weren't influenced, but Chris Cornell was an influential vocalist. He was an influential musician and one of the most revered vocalists of his era. Mm-hmm. Like, you really saw that when they did their tribute show for him early last year. And just all of the artists that came out mm-hmm. and just said that talked about how Soundgarden was one of their favorite groups. Metallica came out and played some Soundgarden songs. Huh. Uh, Foo Fighters came out and played some songs and then just like really random artists that say that Chris Cornell was their favorite song singer, Miley Cyrus saying huh. that she, he was one of her favorites. Brandi Carlisle, who's like a, a folk musician came huh. out and, and sang some songs. Um,
1: so well, in light of that, I mean, they should be issued in. Yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> I just, to me, it's just it's really strange. Mm-hmm. Especially, I, I could see it more if Chris Cornell was still alive. But with the with the his tragic passing, it's just it's almost kind of like this is the time now to to give them their due because you can always right. make the arguments, It's like, well, we. They'll be alive for a little while longer. Let's get some of these older bands in that don't have much time left. But it's yeah. like now that Chris Cornell's gone, it's just like, you know, we need to get them in now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So anyway, yes, Chris Cornell, singer, rhythm guitar player. You've got Kim Thale. I'm thinking I'm saying that right. On lead guitar. Okay. You've got Ben Shepard on the bass and Matt Cameron on the drums. So it's just a four-piece
1: band. It's, it's just a classic heavy rock four piece mm-hmm. though you know um, which you can really hear And I think it would be their earlier stuff that some of these songs are from their earlier stuff
0: mm-hmm. well we don't get into the underground because they had two albums that came out like in the pre-grunge days like they were the first grunge which would band. be
1: like years
0: they the first album came out in 87 okay and then 89 mm-hmm. and then because grunge really broke 91 and that's when uh, Bad Motorfinger came out, mm-hmm. which we've got two songs from that on there. Kind of, that was their, that was their, it wasn't the album that made them huge, but it was the album that broke them out of the underground at least kind of got them known. And then Super Unknown is when they became massive stars. Oh,
1: yeah. That, it, we have three songs off that yeah, one. Yeah, we... there's
0: a reason why we have three songs, because it's a really. <laughs> and all of them
1: are great. It's a
0: really good
1: album. Yeah.
0: Um. But yeah, we don't have anything from Ultra Mega OK or mm-hmm. Louder Than Love, which is mm-hmm. actually from Ultra Mega. You listen to that album; that's pretty much a heavy metal record. And when Metallica mm. came on stage, those were they played songs from that record, mm. and saying just like no, not many people know about this record. They just know the big ones, but this is an incredible record. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can tell that they were inspired by a lot of metal. Mm-hmm. But then you also have this 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 soulfulness to Chris Cornell's singing. Oh yeah! Like he's 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 very much you know a follower of the blues and just he has this croon about him that he can just switch from this really soulful sound mm-hmm. to this like blood curdling scream.
1: Oh yeah, and some of these songs really show that. Yeah, um, especially outshined and fell on black days
0: Mhm. yeah i think fell on black days is my favorite uh uh incarnation of of that where he's mm-hmm. able to just flip it on a dime mm-hmm. and just you he he turns that that dial hits flips the yep. switch and all of a sudden you're just like yeah yeah we'll get more into that when we get to the songs yeah um, um. But yeah, so they were they were the first ones on the scene. They were there before Nirvana, before Pearl Jam, before Alice in Chains. Mm-hmm. They were kind of the first on the scenes in that Seattle, um, that Seattle environment. Mm-hmm. And but they were kind of also the last to break big, because hmm. obviously Nirvana was the first ones to really get big with Nevermind. Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam pretty much followed like right after. And then I would say Stone Temple Pilots got got it big in ninety three with core before yeah. Super Unknown in ninety four when they when Black Hole Sun became, you know, like the big song that year. Mm-hmm. And they finally kind of joined that rank. But they were definitely influencing the scene a lot. They were yeah. I say making some of the best music, especially on the stuff with Bad Motor Finger. That's a ridiculously good record. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just they, and they also just they had a break because after ninety six is down on the upside, they took mm-hmm. a really long break. Um, he joined Audio Slave and did, made Chris some Cordill. yeah made some really good music with them, and then they came back in I want to say like twenty ten or twenty eleven, mm-hmm. and made a new album. Wrote the big song for the Avengers that plays during the closing credits of the movie, uh, which. Oh, I can't remember what the song's called. I'll have to watch the I remember, I remember seeing that and going, oh, Soundgarden's back together? Hmm, okay. And then they just, they tore it on, on, on and off again during that period until yep. he died. Hmm. So that's that's kind of the the, the the brief history of where their career has gone. Yep. So, you know, steady rise up to 94 then break up 96 come back together 2011 and it's
1: been the same four guys
0: No, they had a different bass player starting out starting out till in the 19- first on the first two albums So in
1: 91 in
0: 91 that's when Ben Shepherd came in and mm-hmm. really I've listened to those first two records and they're good but you can tell that there's just it's missing that little special sauce mm-hmm. like Chris Cornell hasn't quite come into his voice yet and the songwriting just hasn't taken that next step yet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But man, talk, looking, listening to the difference between "Louder Than Love" and "Bad Motorfinger," mm-hmm. like the fact that the first two songs on that album are Rusty Cage outshined, mm-hmm. just immediately shows you that you're dealing with a new band and mm-hmm. almost like you're dealing with a new singer because he really just lets it rip. Mm-hmm. On he that does. yo oh, yeah. That whole album. There's. We're gonna do another Soundgarden episode at some point. We're gonna delve a little, <laughs> and we're gonna delve a little deeper into Badmotorfinger. Mm-hmm. There are some insane songs on there, like Jesus Christ Pose and mm. Slavers and Bulldozers, mm. or Slaves and Bulldozers. Those songs are just like you listen to, her and just like, oh my God, this is this is a brutal band. Mm-hmm. Like it's this is not a radio band at all.
1: <laughs> I mean, they are now. <laughs> And
0: then, yeah, Super Unknown is what turned them into a radio.
1: Right. Band. Right.
0: Um, but, yeah, I love this I love this group. Obviously, my first taste of them was Black Hole Sun. Uh, it was actually through playing Rock Band, because uh, that was on the first game, mm-hmm. and then Spoon Man was on the second one. Mm-hmm. And I remember that that was kind of the song that hooked me. I was just like, whoa, okay, this is a legit group. Mm-hmm. And just playing that song on the drums and on the guitar in that game just really made me... Because yep. I, I was just like, okay, Black Hole Song, It's kind of you know your typical 90s power ballad. Mm-hmm. you know. And then Spoon Man was the song that I was just like, okay, I'm
1: on board now. I want to yep. know more about this band. Mm-hmm. That was the same for me, actually. Yeah. Even though I heard Spoon Man before I heard Black Hole Sun, because mm-hmm. I listened to all these songs in order. That's when I first heard yeah. any of their... So, so, had
0: you never heard a Soundgarden song before?
1: Uh, Well, see, I thought Lightning Crashes was a Soundgarden song. I think it's a Stone Temple Pilots song.
0: I think you're right.
1: That would have been the only song that I thought was Soundgarden. So, that's, yes. That's crazy. My, the first Soundgarden song I ever heard was Rusty Cage, which is our first song. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. So, anyway. It, that's,
0: the, that's the beauty yeah. of this podcast. It's all about... Yes, we're going we're gonna to have bands that, you know, you like and are mm-hmm. really into, but I think I'm going to have the most fun, whether you like them or not, of just introducing <laughs> you to things that you've never heard before. Right,
1: and it really opened up my musical taste to, like, grunge more. Mm-hmm. Even though I already like some grunge songs, I feel like it's more of a genre that I'll actively listen to, which is nice, because it makes me appreciate both. That genre and the other stuff that I usually listen to as well, mm-hmm. because we're, we're
0: seeing yeah. we're seeing all the different sides of grunge.
1: Yeah, well, well, the, I know the I, multiple
0: facets, and
1: I also find myself appreciating like the music that I've listened to for years more because of the differences just between metal and grunge. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of metal, metal, metal all the time.
0: Which, if you guys yeah. don't know, that's that's pretty much where Grant. That's lives. pretty much. I live in
1: in the metal kingdom now. That's, well, that's not true.
0: That's that's where that's where I was though when mm-hmm. I was your age. Right. I like I was a believer of very few things outside of metal are mm-hmm. important. I mean, obviously, at your age is when I really got into Queen, mm-hmm. and that completely changed the entire way I listened. I would say it's because of Queen that I was like, okay, I need to start listening to like more classic rock and. Mm -hmm. getting to other genres, but I was, I was, you know, Metallica's the greatest band that ever was (laughs) and ever will be, and you will never convince me
1: otherwise. Well, I mean, they're not the greatest, but they're pretty great.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was, that was me in high school. Yeah. It was, you know, it's, it's Metallica and Dream Theater and Megadeth and, you know, there is, there is nothing else (laughs) except for, like, Rush and... Right. But any... Anything that's like it has to be like super cerebral and complex. I don't like simple peasant music. <laughs> and now um I haven't I haven't lost that, but I've added so much around it. I've come So you're
1: still a metal snob.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, okay. I I think I think you've known that in the times that I've shown you different things. Like yeah. I, I kind of only want the good metal. Yeah. I don't I don't settle for just any old band that has a, you know, a distortion and does, you know, guitar, double bass, unison grooves. Yeah. You know, I gotta, I, I look for the stuff that's, that's truly interesting and is, and is pushing the boundaries, all at the same time just being heavy as heck. Right. Well, uh, I'm really excited about the, the extreme bands that we're gonna eventually talk about.
1: Oh, me too, if you're gonna actually bring them on to this podcast. Oh, we yeah. will.
0: I'm I'm debating on how soon I want to do it. Okay. If I if we need to ease into it a little more and talk some more about the classic metal groups, right? Or if we're going to just jump right into an obscure oh, underground man. extreme metal group. Okay. Now, when I say underground, I don't mean like, you know, even the metal community is like, "Huh, that's a smaller band." Like, you know, these are still still be bands that would like headline. Right. Their own you know tours and festivals but mm-hmm. you know if you're not into the metal scene you would have no idea who these guys were
1: yeah
0: i'm debating I've, i thought especially i would say yesterday i really was like wanting to like do it as soon as i could but mm-hmm. i don't think we're quite there yet we'll get there
1: okay
0: uh we'll go ahead and take a break here but when we come back we're gonna talk about these six Soundgarden songs so stay tuned
1: Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just finished talking about Soundgarden and who they are and what they're about and the different types of music that Lucas likes and how he's a metal snob. Um, (laughs) And now we're going to get into the different songs. Now, if you haven't been on or if you haven't listened to this podcast before, um, the point of this section is not necessarily to have the six greatest Soundgarden songs or Lucas's favorite Soundgarden songs, but it's supposed to be Um, six important Soundgarden songs that are put in such a way in this particular order that they have kind of an emotional or musical arc. And if you've already heard these songs, listening to them in this order might, you might get something out of it that you haven't gotten out of them before. Um, where can we find
0: this playlist?
1: Oh, good question. So in the description, um, Lucas put a link to a Spotify playlist um, if you're listening on Spotify, then that's great because you can just click and stay in the app. Um, but, um, it could be on all platforms. You should be able to find this link. And, um, I think the other artists are on there as well. Yeah, it's, right? it's so, every,
0: everything we've done up to this point is right. on there. So you can also discover the songs that we've done in previous episodes. Yeah,
1: so scroll down all the way to the bottom. The seven final songs are the songs we're going to talk about this week. So the six songs from Soundgarden and the bonus song. Um so I think that's everything yeah. the new listeners need to know. Um so without further ado, the first song is Rusty Cage oh, off of yeah. Bad Motorfinger.
0: What a great way to start up the set with those uh with yep. those ringing guitar lines. Mm-hmm. The
1: left-right, yeah. Um which when when I first heard the song, right, I had never heard Soundgarden before, we mentioned that earlier. And Lucas wanted me to guess who this was. And when I first heard Chris Cornell's voice on this song, I honestly thought it was Ozzy for a second.
0: <laughs> and it may have just been
1: the speakers. A really, like, a really gruff Ozzy. Right. And then I'm like, no, it's not Ozzy, because he wouldn't do that to his voice. It must be Mastodon, like early Mastodon that I'd never heard of. You know, like something, I guess, off, something I guess, off of Remission or something, you know? Yeah, I guess I could see that. You know? Um, or like Non-Limmy Motorhead, which thinking that through probably doesn't even exist. But
0: no, there's no non <laughs> mo- motorhead. We had the
1: same kind of sound, the same I was trying kind to of like I was, th- was kinda of... I was trying to
0: think of what that even meant. Non Lemmy
1: Motorhead. Well well it had it had a motorhead feel, kinda of felt like Ace of Spades to me. Yeah.
0: You know but, but a uh, different uh,
1: singer.
0: Yeah, and also a way more complex. This is a song that it's it's really hard to figure out what the time signatures are, where the one is. Oh, this song just especially like Especially
1: during the chorus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would
0: say the verse is harder for me to pick up than the chorus. I have a lot easier time navigating the chorus than I do the the verses and just kind of figuring out, you know, what at one point in that guitar line is is the one. Cuz the vocal oh. melodies also like come
1: in in really weird spots, it kind of fades in does that weird reverby mm-hmm. thing, which yeah. is super cool. It's a, that's a great way to like start the vocals for an album is have that cool fade in. Yeah, that was the that was one of the things that made me think it was Ozzy because he does that on a lot of his songs like Bark at the Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this song shows off kind of the, the energy that they're able to. What do we be What do we band.
0: immediately? If you coming from someone that has never heard Soundgarden. Yes. What did you immediately pick up from this song? Like what what did you Ooh. learn about this band just from this first song?
1: Okay, well, there's a lot. Um, they really are focused on like the mix because that a, a band who is just oriented on like what they can do live, like what they can pull off live, like Metallica is. They wouldn't have done that vocal faded in thing. Um, Chris Cornell also shows off his range, but still knows his range. Mm-hmm. You know when he sings "Break My Rusty Cage." It's like, he, hit, that's like a high note, you know, yeah. and, and he really sings it and like lets it out and it's great and it's resonant and it sounds amazing, um, and totally soars with it, but it's not way up there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, um, and they're also really tight.
0: Yeah. They're really
1: tight. They're, they're, yeah, they're like, I, I don't want to no. I don't want to say they're Pantera tight, but they No one's
0: Pantera type. No one's
1: Pantera tight. But they're they're the tightest sure. of
0: all the grunge groups for sure.
1: Oh yeah, because grunge oh is kn- grunge is known for being loosey goosey, loosey and sloppy. Yeah, that's why it's easy to never end. But yeah,
0: <laughs> you know, good luck uh, staying together playing Rusty Cage. Mm-hmm. Not just for the time signature, but just like there's so many little hits and and things that they just do together that. And and there's
1: a there's a slight there's slight, you know. Um... They cello Rondos every once in a while. They slow down and speed up every once in a while. Mm-hmm. A bit, just a little bit. That, you know, I guess playing it through my head, I just now realized, oh, they are actually changing their tempo a little bit. But
0: And then what did you think when all of a sudden the song shifts to that? punishing breakdown
1: um the one with kind of like the lower vocals duh,
0: duh, duh, buh, oh, oh yes oh I know what,
1: uh, that part oh yes i totally forgot that was at the end of this song um
0: that's metal right? that there.
1: is oh yeah that is something that i don't even know if i could put into words but you don't expect it because they do like those hits mm-hmm. and then they all come in and it's like a completely different tempo completely different feel and he still got the same vocal melody Mm -hmm. and the fact that they stay together there's no way they didn't record that live in the studio yeah all together uh-huh there's just no way and and those of you who are listening if you listened to that song or have heard that song i mean you you would be forced to agree i mean there's no way they can't stay together without looking at each other um
0: there's some insane counting going on like just where there's ba dum ba dom da dom ba da 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 And when they
1: when they finally get into it it's like you can't help but bob your head. Yeah. Or if you're one of those people, headbang, you know.
0: Now, I think one of the coolest things about this song is that it's got a pretty famous cover to it. Bob. Johnny Cash.
1: Johnny Cash covered this song.
0: Yes. And it's actually really awesome. Huh. Like, he, obviously, he simplifies a lot of it. Right. But just like, it's like when he sings it, it turns into like this, like, badass Mm outlaw song that he just puts the swagger to it. Mm -hmm. It was kind of when he was having, like, his, like, end of career slash life comeback where he was just like, being awesome again because I love I don't like much country music but I love Johnny Cash because right. he, he was the real deal mm-hmm. and his cover of this song is really cool like you should go check it out okay okay uh, you like you would never think like if you were to hear that version first and say that this was originally a Soundgarden song mm-hmm. you'd be like no there's no way okay. he, d- he does such a good job of, of fitting it to himself mm-hmm um, while at the same time just showcasing just that originally it was a well-written
1: song that is really interesting because it it doesn't seem like it would be like a a able to transfer genres very easily mm-hmm. you know this song
0: you pretty much kind of almost like to have to rewrite it
1: but yeah
0: he he does but okay. he does it in a way that you know you can still hear where it came from but he makes it his own which is what all I think all cover songs should be. Yeah. Right. You, you don't want to just make it sound like ninety percent like the original and just have that small little sliver be your own mm-hmm. hint. I think a cover song should be you take something and you completely rework it mm-hmm. to make it to where it doesn't sound like anyone but
1: you. Right. Right, right, right.
0: And I think all the greatest cover songs
1: have that quality to it. Yes. Yes, I would agree with that. I had to think through all the covers that I know, all the big covers that I know, and yeah, um, they really do make it their own. So that'd be very interesting to listen to. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I can't listen to it right now.
0: Yes. But... And you listeners as well, go check it out. Yeah. It's really cool.
1: Yeah, you guys can actually pause the podcast. I can't really pause it, um, because I'm in it. (laughs) So um, from
0: there, we move on to what was a very easy pick for me because that's it was this, right after. It's, it's how the album is sequenced and yes. this song just has to be on there.
1: It, and I, I didn't realize it was right after until I was listening to just this song. I turned it on and I heard a very... I, was on, I had headphones and I heard a little bit of the fade out of Rusty Cage. And I'm like, oh, Dell you're going to pick this song. Mm-hmm. But this song really slows it down yeah. initially. And it's kind of sludgy and really heavy. And it's also in like seven four, yep. or something. So there's it's missing a beat at the end of every measure, which is really throws you off if you're not expecting it.
0: Just about every song right. on this list, except I think the last one, has some kind of weird time signature somewhere in it. Okay, to where none of to where it's not four four all the way through. Yeah. Um, but this is the song that I think really you you really see how great Chris Cornell's voice is Yes yeah because he, this is where he truly just unleashes
1: Yes and it's it's very apparent during you know during the verse he's kind of singing with his kind of raspy voice from mm-hmm. what i remember and then it opens into the pre-chorus and it's a very clean Oh i love that pre-chorus where it just the guitars open up the drums uh-huh. open up Uh-huh Yeah that's a that's a great part and it's and now we're in 4/4 Mm-hmm. You know, and it's almost like you you wouldn't have noticed if you weren't counting it. Yeah, you know, which mm-hmm. is really hard to execute, but they did it. And then it goes back into the chorus, which is pretty heavy, and he's got his raspy voice that, again. That chorus is so good, and everything's in unison. Mm-hmm. Um, even in some parts, even the drums are playing along with the same rhythm as the bass guitar and guitar and the vocals.
0: Mhm. There's there's something powerful about just like everyone teaming up.
1: Yep, yep. Which which they do really excellent in this part of this song because they haven't done it before in this set. Mm-hmm. Um, so this
0: is the song that when he died, mm-hmm. and like you know how musicians were once a ma- when a major artist dies to like try and work in a cover into their concert as mm-hmm. like a tribute. This was the song that I would say ninety percent of bands picked as their Chris mm-hmm. Cornell tribute song because it's like it's just the right amount of complexity but enough to where they could all like quickly learn it in a couple hours during sound check.
1: Mhm.
0: Okay. Cuz a lot of these bands they were they were doing you know their tributes for them like either the night of or the day after it was announced mm-hmm. to where you know they're not going and learning this, you know. None of them are going, "Let's play Rusty Cage." Yeah. That would have been really difficult. <laughs> hey,
1: it would have been fun though. But, um, but
0: this this is the song I I I had never heard that song before, and I just kept seeing that seeing headlines "So and So plays outshined at their show, outshined, outshined, outshined." I was like, "Well, hmm. I gotta go check this song out then, because this is like what everyone is picking." And then I heard, it, and I was just like, "Okay, I understand why they picked it. This song freaking rules."
1: Oh yeah, and and there's there's kind of a um, unwritten rule that I have for myself that if I'm listening to a song and I don't know if I like it, I wait until the beginning of the second verse because that gives you a full revolution for mm-hmm. everything. And when it cuts right out of the chorus and goes back into the second verse on this song, Well, that the is, guitar solo before, well, which is a really it, cool right. way
0: to, place to put the guitar solo instead of where you normally right. put it. Because then it allows you for them to go to that really cool place after the second chorus where it kind of breaks down a little bit and goes to the clean guitar. Uh-huh. And it starts to kind of build up again.
1: Uh-huh. Right.
0: So I'm glad that they but. put the guitar solo where they did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he un, unleashes the fury on that second verse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, let's let's look at the lyrics a little
1: bit. So I this I knew you were going to ask me this. Yeah, I and always do. I, and I knew, or I have theories about almost every other song,
0: except for this one.
1: Except for this one, because this one I have no idea. I've tried because listen... I feel like this is the most straightforward. One. I tried to listen to like the individual words, and it it didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> it's pretty much just about like
0: feeling that you don't matter, and putting on the persona that you are fine, but deep inside that you're not. I'm looking California and feeling Minnesota.
1: Oh. oh like
0: you look you look like you're you've got it all together and that you're with it and that you know you're you're going with the flow but you know Minnesota that's a cold cold place
1: hey whoa listeners in Minnesota it's okay. We're yeah. Here for you. No offense to any
0: Minnesota <laughs> listeners. Um, and then also the line, "I'm feeling sober even when I'm drinking," mm-hmm. like just saying, "just you know, you're drowning yourself to numb how you feel, but yet it it's not working." That's how, you know, how much the pain is.
1: That is probably the most grunge thing I've ever heard.
0: Yeah, and it's just it's just it's kind of like um, almost like your persona, the the image that you've put yourself is has taken so much precedence over who you really are. Mm. You know, saying that, you know, that's who's getting outshined is mm. who, what everyone sees you as is is overshadowing who you really are and mm. kind of just looking how the dark side of fame. You know, the bigger you get, right. the more people see what they want to see and what they project onto you rather than how you really feel and because of that, you can never feel safe to express how you really feel. And when that happens, it weighs you down. Hmm. Chris Cornell had a lot of darkness to him. Right. And I heard, uh, I want to say it was Tom Morello, it was I heard an interview shortly after he had died. Just someone asked him, you know, do you wish that he hadn't had that darkness in him? Because, And he says, like, well, the easy thing to say is yes, because then he wouldn't have killed himself. But at the same time, we wouldn't have gotten that music had he not had that in him. hmm because he channeled that into some incredible music and incredible lyrics. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And you're going to find a theme throughout these songs. It's him wrestling with that dark side of himself. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, it becomes very, very obvious in our next song, which is... Fell on Black Days. A very, a much more literal, straightforward...
1: Grunge song.
0: Yeah, but it's carrying the same message that yeah. no matter how good things get... You're always gonna fall on black days. It seems. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. This was the first song I think of the set that was definitively grunge era sounding.
0: Yep, and, and it is from the from the big breakout record, which uh, has a more grungy sound to it. Even though they're still Soundgarden, they're still you know mm-hmm. outplaying everyone around them in the scene. Mm-hmm. This is they definitely are sounding more like their contemporaries on this record. Right. Uh, but still, I could never see any of those other bands writing a song like Fell on Black Days. That's hmm. so uniquely Soundgarden. The, the I don't six, know. The 6-4 rhythm to it. It sounds, it sounds it. pretty Nirvana to me. No. Nirvana could never pull this song off. No. Okay. okay. I love Nirvana, but this is not a Nirvana song. Like, I mean, the way the place the vocals go to, mm-hmm. um, the weird pre-chorus like to where you're you can't tell what time signature they're in. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: You said pre-chorus, and I was trying to think of the vocal melody, but I know what you're talking about, yeah.
0: Like, there's just, I mean, yeah, there are elements in mm-hmm. it, you know, to where you could see other bands doing but then there's just, there's those things that come in that it's like. Well, there's
1: a little bit more technical. Yeah. Than, okay, I see what you're saying. I mean, but, but on the balance, it sounded to me. Maybe sonically, maybe not compositionally. Yeah, and I think also the way that it's
0: mixed, it's 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 more um, it's more full sounding. It's a little Mm -hmm. uh, it's a little denser, a little richer. Because Bad Motorfinger is a very um, I don't say this in a bad way. It's yeah, but at the same time, like there's there's not a a warmth to that mix. It's kind of very clinical, very cold sounding. Again, I'm not Hmm. saying this as a as a Negative. That's. I think that's what makes that album sound so good, is that you can hear pretty um, distinctly a lot of what's going on. mm mm-hmm. I'm. I'm really bad at describing
1: I, how it I feel about There's clarity. The,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. To where everything mixes a little more on the super unknown stuff.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. There's like more of a glue to the mix. Yes. Exactly. Okay. I see what you're saying. I get that. Um, and this, this song, Fell on Black Days, I've heard of before, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know it was Soundgarden, I just knew it was a
0: grunge song. grunge song. I would say this is, this is in recent, uh, or recently has become my favorite Soundgarden song. Mm. It's the one that I tend to just go back to and want to sing along to and
1: It is a fun song. And the one does.
0: that kind of just hits me the most at that emotional core. Especially when he starts going to that how will I
1: know like Oh yeah. Yeah, which which this album he adds a lot of cool little extra vocal lines in the chorus. Yeah. You know, and that's one of them that really Cause it's like you're, you you listen so, to it. And
0: yeah. At first, you're listening to it, and you're like, oh, he's really holding it back. He's he wants to be more mellow. And then again, he flips that switch and just kind of changes back mm-hmm. into that that um, earlier Chris Cornell. Mm-hmm. But you can tell that he's he's maturing more. He's he's not using it just to use it, but he's using it for a very specific purpose. Mm-hmm. And it really really works in this song.
1: And and also he does that on the verse. He flips mm-hmm. it up on the verse a little bit, but
0: just for a brief moment, then yeah, brings and it, it right back it, down. It, it
1: faked me out at first, and I, I, didn't, I don't know if I liked it at first. I like it now. Yeah, I think Do you it, understand why. I understand where what he was doing. Yeah, and that it was trying to be a little bit different, a little bit weird. And I think yeah. it fits
0: with the lyrics too. It's, it's, mm-hmm. he's trying to, to keep that sunny disposition because mm-hmm. that's the he's saying, um, you know every day seems to greet, greet me, me with, with a smile, smile. Yeah. like it's it's he's trying to keep on the bright side to mm-hmm. see the good and but then it's just like you know no matter how hard he tries the black days come and he and that's when the frustration how will i know that this will be my fate mm-hmm. kind of wondering if you know he can't escape the darkness that's in him as much as he wants to try and get rid of it it's always going to be there mm-hmm. And then just fully embracing it, sure don't mind the change. Hmm. It's, you know, this this is my fate. I guess I'm just going to roll with it. Hmm. You know, I, I guess I'm going to fall on Black Days. It's better if I just let it happen than try and fight it. Huh. And okay. I, th- I think that he's being intentional with the, the contrast of when he lets it out and when he tries and pulls it back in. It's the, it's the, it's bringing uh, to light the battle lyrically yeah. that he's putting in musically mm-hmm. and vocally, which is why I think that it just, this song just has so many great layers to it.
1: Mm, see, you talking about this made me want to change my favorite song, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna change my favorite song. I already know what my favorite song in this set is.
0: Which I, I think I know, we'll go ahead and move into <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> yes. And it almost wasn't. um Spoon Man, same album, super unknown. Um, this was actually okay, there's a lot there's a lot to this song. but when I first heard it and it went into like the the part where he sings the speak the rhythm la, la, la. and then they have the kind of faded almost like sounding like it's coming from a radio mm-hmm. and he sings another line. yeah. I was like, oh, that's a cool trick now we're in like the main part of the song and then he does it like six more times and it felt overdone to me the first time listening to it but now listening to it over and over it's like oh that's just one of the many things of this song that's just different yeah you know the most notable of which is that they play with spoons um and it, it was so weird that i actually texted trenton about it Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, "Hey, you should check this song out." He's like, "Oh, I really, I really like this song. It's my favorite Soundgarden song because they play with spoons, you know." Well, because we were talking about trying to be different and trying mm-hmm. to do something different percussively. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for those of you who haven't listened to the podcast before, me and Trenton are in a band, and he's a bassist. Shout out to my boy. Yes, and Lucas was in our band, but then he decided to not be. <laughs> It's a long story. It's a long story, but, but it's an understandable story, and we had a lot of fun time while we were in together they. in a band. Um, and so anyway, uh, just just the fact that they're able to pull off the spoon playing
0: mm-hmm. and
1: coupled with the drums, like the fact that you have multiple percussive instruments at once yeah. that are playing distinct parts, and you can hear them, and they're all adding to each other and playing off each other. I love it. Yeah. It's great.
0: Uh yeah, like I said earlier, this was the song that hooked me into Soundgarden and kind of me too, yes. made me realize that this is this is more than just another nineties rock band. Mm-hmm. That this is kind of this is something a little more unique and a little more special. Mm-hmm. And I just I love all of the the instrument spotlights in this. You've got a guitar solo, you've got mm-hmm. several parts where the bass Takes the center stage. You've got a drum break, almost like a drum solo. Mm -hmm. You've got two really great bass drops in there.
1: Yeah, where it's kind of just bass and drums and Mm -hmm. (laughs) swings.
0: Yep. And and then of course you know Chris Cornell loses his mind towards the end of that song, Mm. vocally, where he's just he's riffing at the end. Yeah, he's just like hitting the very top of his vocal register. Yeah. So for me. That's where I felt like it was a great time to put the turning point in the set. It was mm-hmm. just kind of you know yeah we had a little bit of a, a lull, not lull is such a bad word, but a little break from mm-hmm. the intensity and "Fell on Black Days." But it was like "Spoonman" is kind of like
1: now that's a that's just a jam song. We're we're that putting is... it
0: all. It's like we're put we're going all in with mm-hmm. the with the heavy crazy stuff, right? And then it's gonna allow for us to really breathe for the final two songs of the set.
1: Let's not get there yet. Oh, I know, but I'm just, I know, but I'm I'm just, I'm I'm
0: (laughs) voicing that that thought.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And then another thing about the song, I mean, we were playing it earlier, just down in in the garage, and the song is essentially just two riffs, and it's still really groovy, and one of them is, I think, just a major second away from the other one, and so when it steps it up a little bit, and he says Mm -hmm. Spoon Man, that vocal melody is the same vocal melody from Even Flow. And that's a that's a very popular thing to do in grunge, where you huh. where you'll have a you'll have the song basically be in the minor scale, but you'll add the major third, and that's where that vocal melody is coming from. Is he's going from the major third down to the minor? Oh, sound.
0: I love having music theory. Yes, in here. and and you'll because I don't think it that way. They do
1: that same trick on the next song, um, just not the same melody, but they'll do the same scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was something that I found notable when I was listening to it. I was kind of like, who, you know, what, what notes are those? And um, so I noticed that, and I was like, well, that might be a pattern. So,
0: hey, just mine. I and, think it is. And we've got a lot of great time signature yep.
1: weird stuff. There's some 7-8 or 7-4. I think it's 7-8. He's bopping his head to figure it out. It's,
0: it's a mix of 4 and 6. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. 1, 2, 3, oh. four, 5, 6, 7, 8. 1, 2,
1: 3, 4, 5, 6. Four. Oh, yep. Yeah. Okay.
0: I, th- I actually had also the misconception that it was in 7. I assume because it was odd that it, it's just in 7. But it wasn't until I sat down and ca- actually count.
1: I was just like, no, it's actually 6. But, 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 but that's, I just counted 7. I've been counting 7 the whole time. So.
0: Well, I mean, I guess technically, if you were to make it one, like if you're, gonna yeah, count okay. it depends on if you're counting quarter notes or or eighth notes. Because if you're counting eight, I guess I'm counting eighth notes. One, two, three, four, five, oh. six, seven. Because if you add eight and six, it's fourteen. Right. Which is technically which is so. seven. I guess. I guess yes, it is seven. Well, so we're both right.
1: Leave a comment at what you think it is. I always listeners. <laughs>
0: I guess it depends on it's it all comes down to how you would write it sheet music wise. Yeah, if it's I, if it's seven or if it's a combination of eight. I, and four. I
1: feel seven, so that's why I say seven. But um and it is kind of once again it's just like a, a song where they're kinda of jamming. hmm So I, don't, I I don't know if they would have thought about it that way. I mean, are they big music theory guys?
0: I don't know. They've wrote some really complex stuff. They might have been.
1: But that that might I mean
0: I don't think you I don't think you can just feel out a song like Rusty Cage.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, I think, did, did Metallica know they were writing Master of Puppets in 21 over 32?
0: But, at the, that's a little different, though, because that's is just one small moment. That's just one small, like... Well, this could like be when one the, small...
1: This is one riff.
0: Yeah, but that's a lot simpler. I think you could say that if you're just talking about uh, Spoonman, then maybe, yes, you could. But I'm looking at... And there's tons of other Soundgarden songs that aren't on this list that have just crazy stuff going on
1: to it. That so them as a whole, looking at them as a whole, you'd say
0: I think that they knew what they were doing.
1: Okay,
0: they weren't just feeling it out. Hmm. I think that they they had some they had some schooling in that area, or at least were really good at figuring it out as they went. But okay. I don't think that they were just. Um, Jamming and just going, oh, that's weird. Let's just keep it like that. I think that they were going, okay, we're gonna play this in this time signature, right? That's how I
1: feel. Okay, so there you go. I think I've said everything I want to say about this.
0: Song. Yeah, you, you got uh, a little uh, got a little defensive uh, there. Well, I wanted to talk about that oh, no. point
1: because no, it's good it though. In, it's in good this yeah. song. Uh, so next song, also off of Super Unknown, Black Hole Sun.
0: So this is the song that typically, if anyone's heard one it's this one it's yeah, yeah it was their biggest hit um it's the first song i heard of theirs off of the first rock band game which you're gonna guys are gonna find it's a common <laughs> thing i've discovered a lot of bands through that that and the guitar hero games i really mm-hmm. owe them a very big credit um but it's easy to see why this is their biggest song
1: oh yeah i mean
0: this is this is this was made for radio
1: after we listened to all the songs this was the song that I went back to and I'm like I got to listen to that again and then I ended up putting it on repeat for like 2 days straight and that was the only song I listened to. And but it's still a great song. It's such a good song. Oh my gosh. And it, it opens with if you're listening to it on headphones it sounds really weird opening because there's only the guitar in I think the the right channel.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And then
0: And then you got in the left channel kind of that
1: <laughs> Rocket Man type style. I, I, you I, know. I
0: don't know if that's a keyboard or a guitar. If they got just some cool effects on the guitar. It, sound, it, it. sounds
1: like them taking a slide on the guitar and doing something.
0: Yeah, maybe like with like a super phaser or something. Maybe.
1: I'm gonna rely like, on... It sounds like a really reverby guitar.
0: I'm gonna let you be the authority <laughs> on stuff like that because I'm really bad at guitar tones and, oh. and effects and I, what I, they all I can are. I could
1: probably get something similar if I really tried. I imagine they probably did a guitar because they don't have a keyboardist.
0: Yeah, but you know you can technically do anything you want in the studio,
1: right? So they probably took a slide and did a bunch yeah. of. Reading. I mean, very I, okay, I just whatever. don't know, so
0: I'm just hypothesizing. But but anyway,
1: yeah, and it, at the end of the day, I mean, I am too. Um, but it it kind of sets the whole ambient feel of the rest of the song.
0: So let me yeah. ask you this: What is a black hole sun? What do you think it is? What, what do you mean? What, like, do you, what do you like? What's the meaning of ast- this?
1: Astronometrically. Uh,
0: what What does it mean in the song? I think. What, it, what What the heck is a I cool think. Song? If I had to
1: guess, I think he is ready for the world to be swallowed up by a black hole, and everyone to die. I honestly think that's what it is, and he just wants like the the world to not be fake or empty or sad or whatever it is Hmm. interesting I I tried this was one of them that I watched the music video to try to figure out what the meaning was Hmm. and um, a lot of the characters in the music video had like fake smiles very fake smiles Mm -hmm. and so I'm like oh maybe he just hates that the world is very fake and he wants like the black hole sun to come and swallow up everything Okay. or wash away the rain you know. But, as, um, as as
0: one can. Uh, yeah. Okay. Just like Adele can set fire to the rain, Chris Cornell can wash away the rain.
1: <laughs> well, no, he can he can ask the black hole sun to wash away the rain. Yeah, no, I guess he can't black, do it himself. black
0: holes can do anything. That's what a black hole is, it's just a collapsed sun. Yeah. So I guess black hole sun is it's almost like a
1: It's just saying black hole.
0: It's it's redundant. It is. Um Uh I am like very, very convinced that this is a drug song, Hmm. that the black hole sun son is a metaphor for like the drug.
1: Oh, so I like, see It's like it a now. Com- like a
0: comfortably numb type thing. I gotcha. And so it's because um, he notoriously had a drug problem in the 90s. So it's very, you know, we have the the proof to say that the evidence to say that. So it could he's be. basically
1: like. The black hole sun being whatever drug it is yeah. come, trying come. to swallow away the pain. Yes,
0: yes exactly. Pain. All, all of his, you know, all of his troubles, everything in the world that's bothering him. It's like he's retreating away from the world, and the black mm, hole sun is swallowing yeah. him.
1: Tell you all just disappear, or whatever mm-hmm. the end of that third verse is. Yep. Which notably, they cut it off short, which is very hard to execute.
0: Mm-hmm. You but know? I think that that's such a perfect but third it's a, verse. It's a
1: great. It's it's a great usage of it. It's a great execution of it, because mm-hmm. it almost he says you know because you all just disappear and the, it, there's like an emptiness and then there's the big final yeah. black hole sun over and over and over again, mm-hmm. which doesn't get old.
0: Yeah, surprisingly, and especially because he never he never turns it up to that volume on this song mm-hmm. to that where he goes to that that primal well, part of him. There's
1: there's those. I mean, in background, the background, but but it's, it's it's lower in the mix.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You And you keep thinking he's going to, mm-hmm. but again, I think that feeds into the drug. It's, you know, he's, it's just like in how Pink Floyd was able to capture a comfortably mm-hmm. numb. I think he's just, he's in that state of euphoria and it's keeping him from, you know, expressing that pain.
1: Well, I think he does on some of the, some of the iterations of the choruses where he'll go up a little bit. He does
0: one though, song. the won't you go, yeah, but one. then he goes
1: right back down. Mm-hmm. But um, it, there's there's a lot more to unpack in this song. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But the verse reminded me almost of smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah, you know because you hear the guitar bit. is really s- kind of simple and it's uh-huh. really high and, and it's unpacking.
0: got that great sound to it. It's almost it's almost it's like a chorus. It's almost Beatles-esque.
1: Hmm. Like that's the that's yeah. always the
0: feeling that I got from hearing it. But it's like that sounds that sounds like a sound the Beatles would
1: use. Mm-hmm. More, more now. More yeah. more now. and it's it's kind of reverby kind of ambient yeah kind of kind of psychedelic it's defined notes yeah so which is really i i can't even describe how it would be to write that because mm-hmm. it probably would have taken forever for them to figure out that oh this would probably fit um but then again you said they're probably musically educated yeah. so they might have just pretty like, sure they are this fits and did it but I don't know where I was going with that thought. Yeah. Now, <laughs> it
0: could be very easy to just put this as the final song of the set,
1: and it felt like the final song.
0: But yeah. I think it also creates a really cool setup for what the true final song is. We're not
1: done yet. <laughs> There's more to this song. Oh, you have more. You want I to talk about? I have more to say. Okay. I have more to say. Nope. So this is the final thing, though. Okay. Um, in the in the chorus, he'll sing you "Black Hole Sun." That's a mm minor scale and they'll go won't you come wash away the rain and that part where it says wash away the rain that's in major
0: hmm very
1: interesting and that was something that i picked up on immediately see just my brain
0: does not think like that (laughs) and i don't know i just think oh it sounds good that
1: goes that goes back to the that goes back to the thing that i was talking about earlier with spoon man where it's the minor scale but it's got the major third in there Uh uh-huh and maybe it's because he wants to, like, have that optimism, like he's searching for the, the mm-hmm. optimism in washing away the rain and whatever. Anyway, that's my last point um, that I wanted to say, and mm-hmm. we can go into the final song. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, I, I bet, when we were originally listening to the songs, did you think that, if you weren't paying attention, that Black Hole song was the last song? Yeah. But then there was still one more and so where, what did, when, uh, blow up the outside world started kind of what, what feeling did that put into you? It was kind of like where the song is going to go. It was
1: kind of like a, well, as it, before it started, if you told me there was another song, I'm like, oh, it's probably going to be like a, like a song that's going to be kind of high energy, kind of like, um, Ooh, the Killers. Yeah. Well, that wasn't necessarily high energy, but it was like you had kind of the sad song before with "Here with Me," uh-huh. and then you go back into like a more tr- redemption song. Yeah. Um, and so I was kind of expecting that, and this song was still slow and sad. But but it's got it's got some
0: power to it. Mm, well, I heard mean, of
1: the other songs, no, but yeah,
0: a different kind of power. Like yeah. just to where it's it's this. To me, this, this is just a very cathartic song. This is just pure emotion, just, like, yeah. like overflowing. Right. Like, those choruses, like, he's just, he's putting everything into it.
1: Mm-hmm. Which, it sounds to me like it's two sets of three measures or two sets of three repetitions or whatever it is for the chorus. Mm-hmm. Um... Because he'll have that first part of the chorus and it'll go into blow up the outside, blow up yeah. the outside, blow up the outside.
0: Like to me, like that kind of line, that's a, that's a, we're going to, a big ending type of melody where, and just the way that they all of the energy behind it. And right. it's, it's very, again, climactic, cathartic. I feel like that this is kind of the, the song to just kind of wrap up everything and just almost give this a nihilistic feel which I think is very appropriate for Soundgarden.
1: See, I'm I'm getting all of those vibes from Black Hole Sun.
0: Yeah, but because but at the same time there's a there's a bit of a happiness to Black Hole, like it's it's comfort in the, um, end. Yeah, there's it's it's kind of almost like there's a little bit of hope to it, especially the way it ends. It ends on this, uh, you know, on this almost happy sounding chord oh yeah i was playing it in my head i'm like
1: how is that happy but
0: yeah yeah it's almost kind of like this last song is is um is taking away the victory and just and giving more of a pessimistic Mm -hmm. ending which is what is powerful to me about it you
1: were trying to do yeah
0: you're you kind of have this you know the drugs is gonna make everything all right Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got the pain, but the drugs will be okay. But then you come to the last song, and it's like, uh, no, actually, it's not going to be all right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and this song, I don't have as much to say about this song as I do the previous songs, but the, at least for the final chorus, um, when he's going to blow up the outside mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Yeah. That, that reminded me of like almost something that Pearl Jam would do. Like, yeah. In, I think it's black where he does the do 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 mm-hmm. over and over again for like yeah. three minutes. Uh huh. You know, but it doesn't get old. They do the same thing with that that background vocals.
0: And man, it's talk about like it's it's almost like foreboding. Just the way that he's saying it, it's very mm-hmm. low and restrained. But then you've mm-hmm. got like these like big crunching chords coming, mm-hmm. and then like it kind of breathes, and then they hit it again. Mm-hmm. It's it does kind of sound like the end of the world. Like like mm. someone did blow up the outside world, like uh, whether an atomic bomb or because you hear the explosion sounds in the background, mm-hmm. like it it kind of it sounds very apocalyptic, which is exactly how I wanted the set to end. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. And it almost sounded like they, they they repeated a bunch of blow up the outside, mm-hmm. you know, and then the very last one it was a different track. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. and, and I, I wonder for what sound engineering purpose it was for that, but that that was something I noticed that probably is totally irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought I might say it.
0: <laughs> but yeah, like again, it could have been very easy to pick Black Hole Sun as the final song, yeah. but to me, finishing it, with this song, Yeah. I think it makes it just that much more interesting. Okay. You, these are these are the kind of the ways that you're gonna see why I pick the songs that I do.
1: I mean, cause I, I thought I had your whole set figured out, where you do the 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 sad song and then the redemption song, and so I was expecting a redemption song, and then we got an apocalyptic song. Mm-hmm. But is this you messing with me, or is this? No, like...
0: <laughs> I mean, it's not intentionally trying to mess with you. It's just me trying to make the best possible set that I can.
1: Oh man. Okay, okay.
0: Um, You're going to find that I'll typically put my my mellow song either second to last or last. Um, It doesn't usually work being in the first part of the set. Oh, no. Um, And a lot of times I think of just like, if I was at a Soundgarden concert, what would be like a song that would just like completely rock if it was like at the very last song? And to me, blow up the outside world was just like, if the concert ended on that song, that would be like I would have chills leaving that show.
1: So you watched a concert? I'm no. Well, well, I mean, well, no, well, watch, I, mean, well, no I did,
0: no, I did, but they didn't do that. Didn't but do I had that. already, I already set the set okay. by that time.
1: Did would what, would they end with?
0: Uh, they ended with "Slaves and Bulldozers." Okay. So, which is not on our list. Which is off of Bad
1: Motorfinger, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I was just curious because usually you... Although I now... Around.
0: But but watching that show, I now know what I'm going to open my next volume of Soundgarden with. It's oh it's one that I wouldn't... It's from Bad Motor Finger, and I never would have thought to have that as the opener. But no. when they did it, I was just like, that's actually a great idea. Okay. And so um, we'll, uh, we'll see what that looks like next time. All right. But that's our set. Yeah. So... We're going to take a small break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the bonus song and then give our final thoughts, so stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Good Music Podcast. We just finished talking about our six Soundgarden songs, and just to recap, those songs are Rusty Cage, Outshined, Fell on Black Days, Spoon Man, Black Hole Sun, and Blow Up the Outside World. Yep. So now it's time to talk about our bonus song.
1: The bonus song. So,
0: what What do, what do we mean by bonus song?
1: Well, Lucas, what we mean by bonus song... Well. <laughs> ...is um, this song is probably from a related artist, as in, like, related genre. Uh, maybe they toured with them, or it was an artist's side project or something. Um, that we wouldn't necessarily give this artist their own episode... But we still want to give them kind of a mention, um, and so this bonus song for this week for Soundgarden is "Like a Stone" by Audio Slave, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which until literally, I think the first part of this podcast, I didn't realize Chris Cornell was in. Ah! I didn't recognize his voice.
0: Yep, that's that's him singing, and here's what's gonna really so. There's the relation. Yeah. Yep, and then what's really cool is the band around him. It's the instrumental uh, part of Rage Against the Machine. Oh. So Tom Morello, Tim Cromerford, and that Brad explains Wilk. a lot.
1: That would explain the bass tone.
0: Yep, and the weird guitar sounds that that freaky guitar that solo. Freaky,
1: yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How did I not? Because I was listening to that guitar solo and and. You know, it's got that weird delay part mm-hmm. that totally would not work on any other song, um, and I was like, "Huh, that's like something Tom Morello would do."
0: It was Tom Morello, <laughs> and it was Tom
1: Morello. Yep, um, because he does that—that that pedal, mm-hmm. you know, shift or whatever—and it it opens weird, yeah, to me, you know, because it comes in with that tremolo guitar, where mm-hmm. it's got that very fast, yeah. Um, it's almost kind of jarring if you're not expecting it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, actually, it is. It but is yet, it's but
0: yet everything fits so well for the song. Oh
1: yeah. Oh, I'm not gonna deny that. No, this is a great song. And then Chris Cornell just knocks it out of the park mm-hmm. vocally with this song. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, and I'm honestly surprised that this band would be limited to a bonus song. Well,
0: it's because they just didn't make much music. Okay. Is- they, only, they only made two albums
1: that would be it then. Yeah. It's just
0: yeah. I mean, I I'm, I'm going to probably do more Audio Slave. Mm-hmm. If like if we ever come back to Soundgarden, I'll probably do another one of their songs just cuz I mean, those two albums. Well, I would say specifically the first album they did is really good,
1: which is what this one is off.
0: Of. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think it's just self-titled Audio Slave. Mm-hmm. They that that came out in like I want to say like 01 or 02.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, they were actually just in the discussion about getting back together when he died. Mm. Like he had, I want to say he had called them like two weeks before and it's just like, hey, I miss you guys, you know, we should we should get Audio Slave back together again and do some shows and maybe if we're feeling it write some new music. Mm-hmm. And um, and of course, they all came out, except for uh, Tim Comerford didn't come to the tribute show. Mm. But of course, uh, Tom Morello and Bradwell came out and played Like a Stone. And um, Tom Rello was saying that the the bridge after the guitar solo where he's on the acoustic Mm -hmm. guitar, he said that that's, like, so outside what he normally plays that he, like, he can't – he has to have the chords written out because (laughs) he can't remember how to play, like, full normal chords because he's so used to, like, power chords and weird stuff that he's just, like, for whatever reason, like, that's the hardest thing for me to play because, like, he's like, like, I can never remember how it goes, so I have to, like, have a little cheat sheet on my guitar that – tells me the chords the section <laughs> of Like a Stone.
1: That's actually kind of funny, but also believable, because, I mean, the stuff he plays, you know, is, is, is riff-heavy.
0: Yeah, um, and a lot of the other audio slave stuff is riff-heavy.
1: So so I'm curious, did the singer for Rage Against the Machine get with the band from Soundgarden?
0: No, no. Okay. Zach De La Rocha, I don't think he had a side project. And
1: and did, did Chris Cornell play... In this band, or did he just sing? No,
0: he just sang. Okay. And uh, one thing that he made a deal with with um, the guys from Audio Slave was that he was a big part of the songwriting process musically in Soundgarden. And he told them that he wanted he did not want to be part of any music. He just wanted to do lyrics, and of course, you know, craft what he was gonna sing mm-hmm. melodically. But he was just like you guys. You know, come up with what you want to do, and that he would hear the song, and he would come up with the vocal melody first, and just kind of scat over it, and then mm. kind of go and fit the lyrics later.
1: Okay, that is. Hmm.
0: And they, uh, I just, I'm getting a lot of this info from this interview that I listened to from Tom Morello, just talking about how like. On Like a Stone specifically, he pretty much came up with the chorus melody the first time they played through it. That he just instantly knew that's how it should go. And that, that blew him away. That like, How did you come up with that so quick?
1: I mean, probably from all that experience being in Soundgarden,
0: And just the fact that he was a genius. Well, he was yeah. so good. And yeah, it's,
1: listening to these songs is evident.
0: Yeah. So... I think we're going to get some very interesting final thoughts from you,
1: because oh, we are sorry. starting from <laughs> scratch, pretty much. Yeah, I know, yeah, we're, what do you mean pretty much? I mean, we basically are, I've only heard the name. Yeah. Um, so, before listening to these songs, obviously I hadn't heard any Soundgarden songs, I only knew that they were part of the Big Four, Mount Rushmore, of grunge. It really, it's really Big Five. Stone Temple Pilots? Yeah. Is the fifth one? Yeah. Um, Okay. Um, That being said, I knew they were big into grunge. I knew they were one of the big big dogs, but I never heard anything, obviously. And so I had no opinion, completely blank slate. And you told me that you thought, you know, I'd be a great Soundgarden, or or I'd be a fan of Soundgarden if I actually heard them. And so um, I think you were right, because... After listening to these songs, a lot of them, more than most of the bands that we've listened to, a lot of their songs have gotten into my Spotify on repeat playlist. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Schism's one of those. Um, oh, Pride in the Name of Love, oddly enough. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. Which I'm starting to like you two a little bit more. Um, it, but,
0: it's it's a area of music you had never really gone into before. No
1: really no, but, um, so I'm, I'm kind of easing up on that a little bit, starting to like that a little bit more, um, but Soundgarden, I think, was an instant hit with my ears, both of my ears loved Soundgarden very much, and so I hope it's the same for all the listeners, because they're a great band, they write great music, and Chris Cornell sings amazingly, Mm -hmm. so that's my final thoughts.
0: All right, yeah, (laughs) um, I would say my thoughts didn't change too much on Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of always have really liked them, and after researching and listening, I find that I still like them about the same. It's not how I've had other ones where I've like my love for them like really went up, mm-hmm. but that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's I just I don't think I'll ever be like a diehard Soundgarden fan. Oh yeah, I
1: can't see myself doing that either.
0: But you know, I. Definitely, they're one of my favorite grunge. Like, I would say I like them more than Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains. Mm. But mm-hmm. Nirvana is still my favorite grunge. Okay. So, but, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be really happy when Soundgarden does finally get in the rock hall. Because <laughs> they, they really need to. Yeah, me too, yeah. And, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see when and if that happens. But, yeah, I mean... I don't have too much to say in that area.
1: Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. You liked him before and you like him now.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's our episode. Thank you so much for listening to us uh, ramble incessantly on Soundgarden. Uh, And we'll have another episode available for you guys next Monday at 9 a.m. We are looking next week at a legendary artist. And that, that um I'm really saddened that Grant has some differing opinions of. But I'm very interested to hear what they are.
1: Yes, that'll be an interesting episode. You guys should definitely check it out when it comes out.
0: And don't forget to leave us a review, give us a rating, check us out on our Facebook page. And check out both of the links in the episode description. One to find the Spotify playlist with all of these songs on it. And the other one to where you can donate us some sweet, sweet cash. Ooh, yeah. And again, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. Keep on listening to good music.